You're listening to Law Talk with Bill Powers, your resource for answers to your most pressing questions. Attorney Bill Powers sits down with some of today's leading legal minds to discuss everything from legal issues and legislation to practice tips and policy. Now, here's your host, Bill Powers, former president of the North Carolina Advocates for Justice, recipient of the North Carolina State Bar John B. McMillan Distinguished Service Award, and a founding member of the Center for Legal Education and Advocacy. Can I get a hardship license in North Carolina? That's actually a pretty common question that we as DWI lawyers in Charlotte get. If I'm being honest, the answer is, it depends. There are a good number of reasons why you may need driving privileges, and frankly, it can be difficult to get them, given that the DMV laws and the motor vehicle laws in North Carolina are actually pretty complicated. If your license has been revoked or suspended because of a traffic violation, or a DWI, or any other reason, getting a limited privilege might help make sure that it all goes well according to plan in your life regarding taking care of responsibilities at work, getting your kids to school, and all of us who are heavily reliant on vehicles to get back and forth in Mecklenburg County. That can include grocery shopping, going to work, and taking care of your normal household maintenance, as we call it as lawyers. I guess the first question is, what is a limited driving privilege, and is it the same as a hardship license? If you call and ask us uh, for legal help, we'll know what you're talking about. Formally, a limited driving privilege in North Carolina is a document that allows someone to drive in specific circumstances, such as to and from work or for medical appointments or to take care of the family. It's a type of license, and it does not necessarily allow you to drive anytime and anywhere that you want. Think of it as, in a way, as a type of probationary driver's license. There are restrictions. There are conditions precedent. And it's not guaranteed in every instance that you're eligible to get a limited privilege. If you're considering applying for a limited driving privilege, some of us call them an LDP, it is important to understand the law and how it applies to your individual facts and your individual situation and your driving history. It's also important to have the paperwork done correctly or North Carolina DMV, or NCNDV, as we call it, may not accept it and may reject it. One of the key tips on this area of law that we tell clients at the firm is a driver's license is a privilege, not a right. doesn't mean you're guaranteed to have a driver's license just because you need one or it makes sense to take care of your family or have a job. In order to protect the public, the North Carolina Division of Motor Vehicles has a number of rules and regulations that place um, in place that govern who is eligible for driving privileges and under what circumstances. And it's actually the North Carolina General Statutes that set forth those rules and regulations, but the NCDOT, the Department of Transportation, DMV, Division of Motor Vehicles, is responsible for enforcement of those laws relative to whether or not you get that little plastic card that you keep in your wallet or billfold. When it comes to driving while impaired cases and limited privileges, there are several different types. And to be clear, today on the podcast, we're talking about impaired driving related limited privileges. There are other types of limited privileges that you may interest you, and we're, we'll do a podcast in the future on that. For example, in North Carolina for DWI charges, there's a limited driving privilege pretrial revocation for implied consent offense, and that's on AOC CVR 10 form. There's also a limited driving privilege indefinite pretrial revocation for an implied consent offense. That's AOC.CBR11 form. 
There's a limited driving privilege, impaired driving or open container or underage alcohol violation, North Carolina convictions only, which is AOC CR 312. <coughs> there is a limited driving privilege, impaired driving out of state or federal convictions, which is an AOC CR 352. There's a limited driving privilege, willful refusal, which is AOC CR 313. And there's an interlock limited driving privilege, impaired driving, North Carolina convictions only, AOC CR 340. Wow, that's a mouthful. And that's six different types of limited driving privileges just for impaired driving offenses in North Carolina. In this podcast, we're joined by Powers Law Firm, awesomest of awesome legal assistant, Melissa Vost. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate this chance to help people out with these types of issues and maybe make the process just a little bit easier. And that's a really good point, Melissa, because uh, the process itself can be taxing. It can be um, way people heavy on people's minds. In fact, when people call us, there are several different questions they want to know. Am I looking at jail time for a driving while impaired case? Am I going to be able to go to work? Am I going to be able to drive? And it's it's part of the uh, worry that you have when when you get charged and even just to being accused, you can have negative um, consequences. So today, the limited privileges we're talking about are just for impaired driving cases. In North Carolina, sometimes you'll hear defense lawyers call them DWI or DUI or whatever you want to call it. doesn't matter. Uh, in our mind, uh, have people say, you know, I got a drunk driving charge. We get what you're talking about, right? Yeah. And, and I don't think we even correct people anymore. No. It's, it's more than the same. <laughs> so, and as I said, there are different types of uh, privileges for speeding tickets, out-of-state uh, convictions for different types of speeding, reckless driving, driving while license revoked, and then even a felony, certain felony conviction convictions. And um, and today we're just focusing on the on the on the big ticket ones for DWI. And as stated, is it complicated? I at least I think it is. You agree? Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about what uh, clients want to know about regarding getting the paperwork together, the necessary forms and documentation, okay? All right. So we see a lot of different types of um, uh, North Carolina DMV issues. People can get their license suspended or revoked for different reasons. Um, the attorneys here work hard to help them out with that and explain their legal rights and options on the front end of things. Mm -hmm. uh, my job is to prepare those documents and get the materials from the client and work with the client one-on-one -on -one for signatures and things like that. The attorneys then are responsible for getting that appropriate limited driving privilege to the judge for a signature. Filing the privilege with the clerk of court, paying the fine for that or the fee for that and, you know, so on and so forth. Right. Uh, two things that I tell the clients um, usually is that it's pretty complicated and we're going to get you through it. Um, I prepare these privileges for people probably daily. Uh, there are some basics, but um, as you like to say, Bill, each client in each case and each jurisdiction, honestly, is is unique. Right. And those are, let's unpack that a little bit because um, what worked for Cousin Freddie in Rowan County regarding their Class A CDL license revocation due to impaired driving case may be similar to, but not exactly what happens to you if you get a, you have a class C, a regular driver's license in, in Monroe and in Union County. And there are some basics. I think the, the important points are one, 
try not to freak out. Well, you know, we'll, we'll explain it to you. This is part, this is what we do. It's an important part of our job. And we'll walk, we'll walk you through it. And we're not going to make you fill out all the forms. We make you read the forms. We make you, you know, confirm the information is correct in the forms and sign the forms because it is a type of court order. Uh, but we'll get you through it. All right. And, and um, we'll go on this a little bit in the future. But I, I, you know, I've done this for a living now coming up on, well, since 1992, a long time. And the, the, the laws have changed. The rules have changed. Some of the forms haven't really kept up with uh, the new laws. And it's something that we talk about on a, on a weekly, a daily basis and going through the forms and checking through everything is done correctly. So in North Carolina, our, our DWI laws, trafficking laws uh, are intricate. And uh, NCDMV has a way of doing things. They, they like it done a certain way. The judges like to take a look at things. They're, they're, these, these privileges are discretionary, meaning the judge signs off on it. And I've had cases, we've seen cases where uh, everything appeared to be done correctly and DMV said they weren't otherwise eligible or there was something else in another state that didn't, wasn't disclosed and we're going we're gonna to disallow it. And um, that may surprise you that, that they have, they can, I guess, overrule what a judge may say in some instances. So um, there are different types of license revocations and suspension in North Carolina, whether you realize it or not. We tend to use those two terms interchangeably. Uh, there are technical legal differences, uh, but there's driving while impaired under 20-138.1. Uh, there, you know, vehicular manslaughter, flee to elude, out-of-state speeding tickets. You see a lot of those, Melissa, yeah, where, where, where you may live in Charlotte, work, you know, drive down to Rock Hill, get a ticket down there, don't think anything about it. Weeks, months, in some instances, years later, you get a letter from North Carolina DMV saying, hey, you got a high speed out of state. We're going to revoke your license or suspend it for a period. High speeds in North Carolina can do it, and there are a lot of different ways that can happen. Um, aggressive driving, reckless driving, careless driving, there are circumstances where those can result in suspensions, not in every case. Uh, but there, if you have a, an accumulation of points, um, they add up. Um, just like, you know, some, some offenses have really high point values, like fairing to move over for emergency vehicle or passing a stop school bus is one of the highest next to drive while impaired. Uh, prearranged speed competition is a basis for revocation versus um, prearranged means you plan, and the other one is called spontaneous. One allows uh, you to drive and one doesn't. In fact, you can lose your car for the prearranged one. Um, and then if your license is already suspended or revoked for another matter, and then you pick up another moving violation. Um, a lot depends on your individual driving record. I refer to it as an abstract. I think that's an old school term, Melissa. I don't even know why we call it that, but because yeah. even DMV refers to it as an abstract. But what we're talking about is your record, your driving history. Okay. So, Melissa, you're you're the expert on this. I mean, really, as far as prepping the things, I, I get them, you know, Chris and I go to court with them, take a look at them. But I, I don't, necessarily speak with the clients on a daily basis about the specifics of what you have to go through. I know what the requirements are, but um, let's talk about the things, the conversations you have uh, with people and the questions that you ask, because you, you have a good way of doing that, reassuring people. Yeah, so I normally ask um, a series of questions. The um, initial privilege is the uh, pretrial privilege, and um, if they're coming to us right off the bat and they're eligible on day 10, then then they're usually interested in that. Sometimes they're not coming to us right away, and they've got five days left until their 30-day civil revocations up, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about probably at a different time as well. But 
um, if they want the pretrial privilege, um, we start talking um, about, you know, why why is it suspended? And they go into the details of their DWI because every privilege is different. So I've got to know what what's the reason that you're you're asking for that privilege or what type of privilege am I going to use? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I need to know how, how, you know, the data suspension that lets me know, you know, how much longer their suspension is going to run for. Um, did you have a valid driver's license at the time that you were stopped? Because if you didn't, you, you didn't have a privilege in the first place. So we, we can't get one from from the judge for you. Um, if why, again, why it's suspended, um, did you get a letter from the DMV? You know, what, what's that letter say? There's usually some statute references on there and stuff that we can look at just to see, um, you know, where we're going with what type of privilege. Right. So there is a difference between a driver's license that's expired. Mm -hmm. And if it's expired less than a year, there may be options available as opposed to revoked or suspended. Mm -hmm. That's a real good point. Yeah. The limited privilege itself is predicated on a, a pre-existent license. Mm-hmm. And boy, this it gets deep here because the question is like, well, I'm a licensed in South Carolina, but I work in North Carolina. Are you eligible? Or I've lived here for a year, but I didn't turn everything over to North Carolina. Am I eligible? Or I live here half the year and the other half the year I live in Tennessee and Tennessee mm-hmm. doesn't have state income taxes. So uh, there are no absolute rules. There are some general precepts. And the general precept is that if you're trying to get a limited privilege, you kind of need to have had a valid license of some sort or not have been expired for an exceeding long period of time. Now, why do you ask about the data suspension and things like that? Because I th- sometimes our clients, unfortunately, I like to call it trickle information and they don't always see the interaction between the moving parts and they right. they don't realize well, I'm just suspended for the DWI. I'm like, well, actually, you may have already been suspended before the DWI yeah. do a speeding ticket, and the DWI just made it worse. Yeah, so. there's a couple of reasons to ask for the data suspension because, like you said, people will say, oh, oh, wait, I, no, my driver's license was already suspended, and they don't even realize that, you know, like you said, the privilege is predicated on the fact that you already had a privilege, which is the plastic driver's license they gave you. You know, if that's gone, then you don't, you can't get a privilege to drive. Um, and I also ask because there are people who are like, oh yeah, I got, I got pulled 23 days ago. Okay. Well, the pretrial privilege is only good till day 30. So now, now you're going to, you know, you're going to have to go through this whole process and, and, you know, by the weekend you're going to be able to pick up your license. So we ask it for a few reasons because we don't want to waste people's time or their money. Mm -hmm. And we certainly don't want to, um, turn over documents and have a judge sign some stuff that's going to get kicked back by the DMV because we we didn't know the dates. So right. and, the, and and I think there's even there is a spot at the top where we have to put that stuff in anyway. So please, it, it's important to know that. Right, and this isn't something that you fudge. No, this isn't. We attach the documents when we apply for a limited driving privilege. We attach a copy of the driving record, a history that we we have. We will attach um, alcohol assessments and letters from employers and different insurance forms and things like that. And the judges look at them. And it, it is a court order, and you don't want to be submitting something that's, that's inaccurate. And I, I know some people get desperate, and they think, well, maybe they won't notice a day or two. And Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So what type of documents or materials did you look at? And, and realize, y'all, there's a difference between a civil revocation. The first, Melissa's referred to it several times under um, 20-16.2, I think is a statutory reference. Basically, for being charged for DWI, not in every instance, there are exceptions. But let's say you have an 08 or you willfully refuse or something like that. And there's the initial revocation of a suspension for 30 days. 
And then after a certain period of time, 10 days, you become eligible, mm -hmm. if you're eligible, for a pretrial limited driving privilege. And that gets you from day 11 to day 30. And on day 31, you can apply to get your regular driver's license back. So the way I describe it to people is you start with your plastic license. They take that when you get arrested for driving impaired. By the way, you don't have to be arrested. They can just cite you with it uh, nowadays. And after 10 days, you can't do you can't do anything unless you challenge a civil revocation. And that works in some jurisdictions and not others. And that's a whole nother podcast. Um, but after 10 days, you may become eligible for what's called a, a pretrial uh restoration type of, excuse me, not a restoration, limited privilege. There is a difference. And I get you from day 11 to day 30. So it's plastic, paper, and then after 30 days, you pay a restoration fee of 100 bucks. Oi, that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. And you have to explain that about a million times. Is mm -hmm. Tell me some of the, the things that, you know, what you try to explain to people how it works. Do you use, do you use the paper, plastic paper example? Or um, plastic? I haven't. I probably will after today. I uh, <laughs> Normally, I just tell them, you know, you're, you're You'll get your plastic license back and it will be, you will have the same um, ability to drive as you did before you got this DWI, barring that you refused or something different. But right. as long as everything is on, you know, kind of a run of the mill DWI, if there is such a thing, you will get that back after 30 days. In the meantime, you will carry a packet of papers. All the things I'm going to ask you for, you're going to get back with um, a judge's signature on it and, and a file stamp copy on it. It is your driver's license. And if you don't have it, it's not the same thing as leaving your license at home on the counter. You're going to carry this packet of paper. And then when that's all done, after 20 days, we're going to get the, you're going to get the plastic license back and you're going to go back to normal. Right. It's just, I mean, and I, and I try to just, they need to understand that this is in North Carolina, part of the punishment, honestly, that's what this is a, a, a front end punishment for you ha having been, charged with the DWI. I 100% agree with you. Unfortunately, the uh, either court appeals Supreme Court says it's not a punishment. It's an administrative revocation. I told, that's that's poppy no. cap. That's that Try to get not, your kids to the school bus with right, that one. <laughs> that's not, yeah, and if you get arrested while you're re revoked or suspended for drywall impaired North Carolina, that is a big no-no. It mm -hmm. is a separate class one misdemeanor called drywall license broke impaired revocation. It carries 120 day max. And let me tell you, DMV doesn't like it. The DAs don't like it. The judges don't like it. We don't like yep. it. It makes an already bad situation much, worse. much, much, much worse. Further suspend your license. It's, it's no fun at all. Right. I, the way I think of a pretrial limited driving privilege, it's sort of like, I don't know, you're in high school and you're like, you're grounded. And then after 10 days, it's grandma's birthday. And well, you're going to be able to go to grandma's birthday, but only this, you know, and, and there's, there are limitations to it. So mm -hmm. you'll be able to drive after, um, so your license is suspended for 30 days. There's 10 days, what I call hard suspension. Nothing's happening unless you challenge a civil revocation, which is limited greatly. But on day 11 to day 30, you're on kind of double secret probation. Yeah. Yeah, there, there could be restrictions on the time, the days, the purposes of your driving. You can't have any booze in your system whatsoever. Yep. We've even had someone pulled for coming out of a bar outside of those time limits, even though that's where her car was parked. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a violation. You have to be going where you're supposed to be going. It's it's delineated on the form and, right. and the times you're supposed to be going there. It's right. just the way it goes. And there are some judges, I can think of a judge up there in Eardale, Iredale County, where the judge wants to know the route. Meaning, okay, where does this person live? They and we've—I've literally drawn a route mm -hmm. and put it, you know, a map quest. Well, I don't even use map quest now. I use but, ways, but put the map down and use. Yeah. And they—I've had judges say, okay, what times you work or what yeah. time does she work? Build in the time, the travel mm -hmm. time, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, 
uh, y'all, we ain't fooling. Um, these are they're complicated when you look at the forms. It, it's a it seems a little bit of gobbledygook because there are purposes that you can drive for household maintenance at work. There can be purposes for obtaining alcohol assessment and compliance with the alcohol assessment, and and it's a it's just the main page, not even a petition, but the main page of privilege. Most privileges are, are front and back. Mm-hmm. Heck, that's even an issue in some mm-hmm. jurisdictions. They don't want two pages; they want front and back. Um, and there are a bunch of different things to fill in. That's mm-hmm. really what you do yeah. all day long is 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 go through that, getting your your address and your name and driver's license and all that. Yep. All your demographic information has to be on there. Who right. you are, just like you would a driver's license because there's no picture, so they got to make sure it's you. Yeah, and that's you know it's funny. It's so that's a great point because I will ask people, um, and I try to inject a little bit of humor, but I ask how tall they are and mm-hmm. how much they weigh, and I said I'm not going to ask you on the date. I promise you, there's a reason we're asking. So yeah. you say demographic information. It's it's date of birth full name. Um, so we get your age, your driver's license number, your age or your height and your eye color. Uh, your that's, yeah, it's your all way. on there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And, and then, and then we have to say, and we're going to need your social because we have to pull your driving record. We right. need to know everything about you, unfortunately, because the DMV is requiring this and the judge will want to see it when he signs right. it. So, and, and frankly, that's something I think now we're talking, I'm thinking of all these other podcasts we could be doing, but obtaining a copy of your abstract online, that's DMV that asked for it, and they charge what they charge ten bucks, ten dollars, mm-hmm. right? And so you can do that yourself. But guess what? They want to know. They want to know your name, your driver's license number, and your social, social security number, date of birth. Right. So we keep our we keep that information confidential. We have a CRM tool, but we keep that information confidential. And I don't mind if the person pulls it as long as it's an official one from NC Department of Transportation, not one of these other companies out there that I don't think are reliable. Um, let's talk about some of the forms. Um, I know we've got one online. If you Google us, it's on our, um, wow, I don't know which publication. I think this is in our guidebook that's on the website, but I, there are a couple other places, the DL123. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and, and how you go about getting that. It, it, it's an insurance form. Right. Don't get too nitty gritty. but, but yeah. So the DL123 is just a form um, that your insurance company can, um, usually it's very simple to shoot over. Um, in an email. Um, sometimes if you have um, a, an insurance company from that's not close to North Carolina, they're not real sure what you're talking about, but we have a sample form for that. We give it to them um, so that they can supply that to them. But it's just to prove that you paid your insurance in the last 30 days. Um, an insurance card is good for three months or six months, and they don't know if you paid your insurance premium that month. So um, that's important. You also have to get those for um, tag renewals and different things mm-hmm. at the DMV, so it's not an indicator to the insurance, which is usually something people ask me immediately. Isn't this going to um, tip off my insurance that I've gotten this, this DWI. No, it's not. So that's, um, sometimes a, a bit of a conversation with, with the client when they first, um, start this right. process. And a carrier can find out about it, but most mm-hmm. of the time when we're getting it, it's, they're, they're just, it's, it's a proof of insurance form. Mm-hmm. It's proof of financial responsibilities. I think the formal name, and it has to be within 30 days. If you have yes. one that's 31 days, you have to get a new one. Mm-hmm. And if you're from South Carolina, they may use a not licensed down there, SR fifty five or something yeah, like but that. But they, but they're they can any insurance carrier can um, translate that information right. onto onto our sample DL one two three, and it's accepted by the judge. Right, so, right. Yeah, I mean it's it. I mean it's a it's not. And in fact, I've heard recently that like Geico and some of the bigger companies, there's actually like a place on your online policy where you can request it, and they'll send it right over to you. Right. So it it's becoming easier, I think. But right. I've, you've worked for us for a long time. It's it, now that things are more automated and decentralized online, you can get it. Um, I encourage people to um, 
you'll understand that it's different than a deck page. Like, why well, got a deck yeah. page? I'm like, that doesn't. I'll mean, just send you my insurance card. Right, doesn't mean you can't it, use it. Yeah, right. And so what they want to show is at the time you're applying for limited driving privilege, at least within 30 days, you have had a policy in effect. Mm -hmm. um, and what's the next thing that you? So that, then the next thing I talked about is the standard um, hours. So they'll need a work letter on letterhead if they're driving um, late at night, super early in the morning, or like if they work third shift or something. Uh, the standard hours have always been 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., Monday through Friday on there. So there's no weekend hours. There's no um, nighttime driving. And um, as long as you are not going to work before 6 a.m., you're usually pretty good. But there are a lot of people who that doesn't work for them. Right. Yeah, I uh, I use I, – I use – I try to explain to people who take – because as soon as they hear standard hours, like, wait a minute, I work I work at Lance Crackers on South Boulevard or mm -hmm. I work whatever – there are all kinds of exceptions to this, y'all, but where there are ways within the law, and and judges understand this, DMV understands this, with the proper documentation and proof, that you'll you can be able to drive. Yeah, all right? for now, sure. Now you don't want to be driving at two a.m. home from a bar on limited driving privilege when it's supposed to be to get you back and forth to work right. or to get your kids uh, to school or even get to the grocery store. So we've even had judges accept. Uh, church stuff so that people that are like mm -hmm. really deep into their faith and, and Sunday morning is a big deal to them. They have hours on Sunday morning to drive. I mean, mm -hmm. they, there's a lot of understanding, but we have to have everything. All the ducks have to be in a row for right. that. And it gets complicated. Well, what if I'm self-employed? Well, then, then, um, or what if I work hourly? I mean, this is, these are things you work with them on mm -hmm. a daily basis. As yes. long as we have the documentation and we submit to the court, Hey, this person's self-employed, this is their projected schedule. There, mm -hmm. there are ways that we're able to submit the documentation sure. yes. proof. So it's it it's it's a specific law, but that I think the judges really understand that we're trying to get people uh, back and forth uh, for household maintenance purposes, and really, a limited privilege is not supposed to be uh, a, a punishment. Right. Uh, it's supposed to be a, a, a basically a wake up call. Mm -hmm. Is my understanding of it. Yeah. So um, we also do something uh, with an with an affidavit that we keep it in house, uh, but it basically where we submit your that you your prior record is what you say it is and. Mm -hmm. Um, no one was killed in a wreck and things like that. Right. Partially that's because some jurisdictions um, look at the face of the document. And then there are other jurisdictions where, I think in Union County specifically, where um, sometimes we have to say, listen, we, we know it's a hassle, but you're going to need to come to court. The judge is going to want to ask you some questions. You're going to have to put your left hand in the Bible and raise your right hand. And we want you to pre be prepared for what those issues right. are and otherwise confirm right. that there are other, you know, you're not revoked in another right. state and you nothing like that going right. on. Confirming that everything that you've told us and everything you provided to us is exactly what right. it is and that there's nothing, right. you know, that we don't know on there or that is incorrect on there. Right. And then we prep a petition for pretrial limited driving privilege and then the limited privilege itself, mm -hmm. uh, just in case anyone wants to take a look at it. Uh, yeah. One of the other things, this is a big ticket item that um, I try to explain, Phil, this is not a punishment. This is required under the statute in order to obtain it, but that is the it is the um, alcohol assessment and um, the recommended treatment that you um, need to start. And uh, we know that there are only, you've only got 10 days to get these things together. And sometimes we're talking to you on day six. So we know, mm -hmm. and, and we have um, recommendations for lots of people around Charlotte that, that will get um, that started for you pretty quickly. I think, mm -hmm. um, especially, especially since COVID, they've been letting them get those um, in online and stuff, which I don't know how long that will last, right. but it's been um, actually helpful for people because they can get that assessment in. And I've seen more people actually do and comply with their, their treatment since mm -hmm. that. So 
um, that is where you will meet with somebody who's licensed therapist is what they call them. Um, and they will assess your level of need for um, some group therapy sessions. And that is important because you'll need it again at the end. It's a mitigating or a positive factor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a couple of things about this. First, we're not saying that you have a problem drinking. It's nope. meant, it's meant, it's basically holding a mirror up. Secondly, the people that give the assessments, not all of them offer a uh, a therapy, I think you use the term, or treatment. Uh, there is actually, there are approved organizations by the state of North Carolina that can give, uh, they're called licensed assessing agencies. Mm-hmm. Thereafter, either they can have people that help do the training, alcohol awareness program, one of the more common ones called ADETS, which is alcohol ed- Alcohol Drug Education Traffic School, depending, there are a bunch of different factors, what what you blew or what your blood alcohol content was, your BAC. Um, and, you know, there's there's awareness programs, 20 hours, there's 40-hour programs, there's outpatient, intensive. As low as 16. Right, right, right. So here are the keys you need to know. First, uh, it's confidential. Okay, it's uh, these materials are uh, protected. We don't even... Um, um, really get the, the, the analysis of where they came from. Uh, it's relatively quick. It's not a bank buster. The companies charge a hundred dollars. Uh, most of them want a copy. Actually, I think the statute now, or their, their, their inference of the statute is they have to have a copy of your driving record. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you give that to us or you get it before, you can, you know, don't have to pay them the extra 10 bucks to get it again. Right. Um, and COVID actually, this is one of the benefits, um, you can do them online now to get the assessment and uh, you are required in order to obtain, obtain a limited driving privilege to go ahead and, and start what the recommendations are. The second thing is, is that the assessments only last four, six months. Mm-hmm. So if you sit on it um, and you and don't, don't get start it, your treatment. you're going to pay a hundred bucks again, have to go through it all again. At the and end, yep. and um, so there are some timing kind of things. We encourage people to go ahead and get it. It ain't going to kill you. It's confidential. No one's going to, it's not going to be a matter of public record uh, for you obtaining this. Um, I, I personally think that the HIPAA laws are applicable as far as your mm-hmm. individual nuances and your answers. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think the legislature, as I understand the law, is encouraging people to you know, hold a mirror up and say, hey, where am I with it? Yeah. It's not a hard and test. And it looks good for you in the, in the end. I mean, right. it ultimately looks like you, you're taking that, that first step in that responsibility. And I think that's positive right. for anybody who does that. Right. So. And under the law, if you were convicted. It is a statutory mitigating factor that um, has to be considered by the court. The obtaining the alcohol assessment and following through with the recommended treatment. Some people misunderstand thinking just the assessment itself is enough. Actually, you have to have a, a completion of that in order for it to be um, a mitigating factor. And that's my my read of the law anyway. Um, and then there's uh, with the limited driving privilege once you get the assessment. So we got DL-123. Mm-hmm. You got the alcohol assessment and a documentation from the agency. Melissa's got, right. I think there are 40 or something in Charlotte. We don't, we don't. Yeah, we, we, I think we have a, a sheet right now with 20 just so as not to overwhelm. And then we have some outer county ones. And then, um, you know, we have, as you've stated earlier, you've been doing this for 30 years. So <laughs> we have a few that are, we communicate with pretty, pretty easily. Um, there's a relationship there. Those places tend to keep the same folks around and we tend to keep the same folks around. So it's been, um, it, it's not a hard process for us, but it is hard for someone to understand. So that's right. why we walk you through it. Right. And, and then the next um, thing we're going to need is, and sometimes we advance this, advance this for the client, but if they've already retained us, it's a filing fee of $100, and that's required um, to be paid to the clerk of court when the attorney files that for you. Right. So Right. 
a couple things about that. Um, we do we do cover these. It's quicker for us to do it that way. And then yeah, obviously you have to be property retained. We're not chicken and willy nilly do it. We do it as we don't we do it as a courtesy as part of the representation on our underlying charge. We don't charge extra for that. And it's just quicker for us to go pay the company credit card and say, hey, reimburse us. Um, once you become eligible, get your regular driver's license back. They call that a civil restoration, civil, yeah, restoration fee. Yeah, um, of the civil revocation. Oh, yeah, right. of the civil revocation. Um, there's another hundred buck fee. And so some people want to wait. They don't want to get the assessment, which is a hundred bucks, the privilege or the, the uh, driving record, which is 10. And then the filing fee for your pretrial limit driving privilege. So you're 210 in, in the hole. And some people will wait. And then you do it again years, on day 30, and right? And then you paid a hundred bucks at the beginning. Again, which we will advance. It's just frankly quicker uh, for us, and mm-hmm. we kind of take the perspective. If you're if you're trusting us to represent you on DWI, you'll reimburse us for expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally, we get burned on that, but not not, not terribly often, much. Yeah. So, um, and it, it has changed a lot since, um, like I said, 1992. I don't know if I had my full 30 years at the time of recording, but mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 been a long time, and this is this has developed and changed. I mean, we. The law regarding the ignition interlock uh, just has changed in December. It's like been December first, and there's some new parts of it going effect in June of this year, 2022. Yeah. Here are the big picture items. One, give us a call, okay, and we'll walk you through it. As we said from the beginning, it's complicated. We'll explain it to you. You really don't need to know where to put the information. We will handle that for you. What you need to do is we have checklists. You, I think mm-hmm. you, I think you yeah. email them a series of documents, and then you mm-hmm. follow up with them. The things that bother me as an attorney, and I think bother you as the awesomest of awesome legal assistants, is wait until the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less of a problem now getting an alcohol assessment, and if you live in Salisbury, it doesn't really matter if you go to Absolute Advocacy in. They're in Concord or Cabarrus Concord County. and Charlotte, yeah, right, they have two right. now. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter can, right now. You can do, right, but we do keep up with, and we're, we're regular travel around uh, Rowan, mm-hmm. Iredale, Lincoln, uh, Gaston, mm-hmm. Union, Mac, Stanley. I can't think of any. Well, occasionally with Gilbert. A couple Anson's. A couple Anson's, yeah. So basically, Charlotte's the whole of the donut we go around. We don't go to really Cabarrus um, at all, but um, how... Each jurisdiction likes to do things and they're filing the different things. While there's one law, um, sometimes people view it a little bit differently, but we're, we're experienced doing that and we'll, we'll get you through it. Okay. Again, you have to be eligible. It has to, you have to have documentation. There ain't no wink, wink, nah, nah going on. You got to have your act together, but this is what you do and you're good at it. And um, frankly, you're better than me at because uh, I, <laughs> um, uh, you, you do it every day. We review the things and make sure they're legally appropriate before okay. submitting to the court, but Getting it together is, is a is a huge amount of work. Okay, so let's talk about how things actually work. You and I, you and I mentioned that each jurisdiction kind of has their own little, you know, preferences and protocols, nuances. Right. So these these are Melissa's top seven. Let's talk about some real world tips. Meaning, yeah, Bill, I know how you say the law says it works, but let me tell you the reality of how things actually work. Uh, and again, within the bounds of law, we're following the law. But let's talk about some you know, misconceptions maybe people have. So number one, this is you. You think you can do this yourself, but it's near impossible. All right. So you can always represent yourself in court, especially with uh, criminal court matters. Uh, You can give yourself a haircut. Mm -hmm. No law says you have to go to the dentist and have them pull a bad tooth. And um, I'm not saying that 
that getting limited privilege is exactly the same as giving yourself a haircut and a tooth. And, and but the point is, uh, it, 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 it could be that painful, right? Well, especially if you do it wrong. Yeah. Um, let's talk about number two that's related to that. So, um, our attorneys have actually waited hours in front of a judge to get one privilege for one client signed. Right. And, and I, you know, we do this as attorneys. I honestly don't know if you're pro se uh, for yourself as a lawyer. I don't know how you get in front of a judge. I, I don't know. Because um, I'm thinking of you two sitting there for hours with your badge on, with your face on it. They know you're there. They know you're mm -hmm. an attorney. And they're like, yeah, you'll wait. Right. I mean, it's not they have a whole docket and you're not going to be the first thing on the list for sure. Mm -hmm. My guess is you probably submit it with the clerk at the judge's chambers. But again, yeah. which is a time sensitive problem then, right? Because right. you only have 20 days of even using it. So, right. yeah, it, it would just it just makes for a bear, I think. Right. And what if they have questions? What if, right. like, what if, what if you have a, a judge like in Union County that wants to put you on oath and then mm -hmm. do they tell you to get the clerk of court to do an ad on? I don't know. It's big. I'm yeah. just saying that even for us, and we're in court every day, we sit. Um, mm -hmm. There, there are times where we try to explain to clients we're waiting for an order to be signed. We submitted it. There's in Charlotte, you go up to the ninth floor. Um, when we do for civil mm -hmm. orders, we'll, we'll submit a certain order or a criminal order. We'll sit and submit and wait for it and check the box every day. So um, it, mm -hmm. you can do it yourself under law, uh, but I don't think necessarily yeah. it's easy. And, and we, and we, we did some during COVID when the courtrooms were closed down and we would have to take them up there, right. drop them off at chambers and, and wait, you mm -hmm. wait your turn. And some, it, sometimes it was a long time and people were, you know, people were, you know, a little miffed that it took that long, but these judges are, are in Mecca, especially in Mecca County. They're super busy. I mean, right, right. Um, I'm not disparaging anybody. Just mm -mm. the fact of the matter is, is that COVID has changed everything. Yes. Okay. So number four on awesome <laughs> Melissa's um, uh, real world tips, how things actually work. Some places, um, namely Union County that we can think of at the moment, require a client to swear in in front of a judge. Um, you're, it's essentially like being on the stand and, and you're attesting that, that the materials are accurate. So it's a big deal. I've seen it done up at Eardale. Have you? Um, I have. Um, I, I, I mean, I can think of it one or two times in different jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. Lincoln, uh, there could be questions. I tend to try to explain things when I'm handing a document up to the court. I'll say, you know, this pretrial limit driving privilege, as you'll note from the record, you know, you know X, Y, and Z shows this. We've also attached a DL-123. We've also attached an alcohol assessment and a letter from the agency that shows compliance with it. And if you note, I, I tend to note if they're non-standard hours, mm -hmm. um, so they're aware of it. And then I'll explain where you're getting your assessment. And, and, and you know, some judges want to know that level, and we'll go through it with them. I tend to give them a big picture question, say if there are any other questions, you know, take a look at it for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not just a matter of, you know, you know Johnny on the spot. It's, no, it's, it's not signed. because they're going to look at that work letter, and they're going to go to the back and then mm -hmm. adjust that. Mm -hmm. um, they make the adjustment on the hours. That's not our call. That's the judge's right. call. So. Right. So what's the what the real world, how things actually work? Number five. Number tip. five. Some privileges require you to print them on. Um, some of the places that we take these privileges require to be printed on front and back. Um, I can, um, I have taken a privilege, driven it all the way, I think, 
I want to say Salisbury, but I just can't remember where I was going. And they said, you're, you're going to bring this back. They're going to want it on front and back. And I right. drove all the way back to Charlotte right. and we had to redo it. And they want it printed a certain way. That's the way they do it there in that courthouse. Every courthouse is not the same. Um, right. So the safer practice is put it on front and back. Yeah, and here, and, all the time. And before you get smart, I go, well, why don't you just make a copy of it? And they're like, no, they want original signatures. Mm -hmm. yep. So, um, yeah. And they're not going to, they're not going to copy it there right in front of them. They're right. absolutely not going to do that. So yeah, right. it had, right. we had to redo it and we did redo it and that's on us. We, right. I mean, that's, but that's what we do. Right. We have copy keys y'all, but it's just easier to do it on the front and back, have mm -hmm. the original signatures. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're pretty accommodating. We'll get you whatever you need, any way you need it to fill it out. But mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's gotta be the way that they want it. So, um, you know, that's how that works in the real court world. Okay. So, Tip number six of how things actually work on Melissa's awesome legal system <laughs> rules. Uh, number number six, six is that that um, these are always in the discretion of the judge. Um, no matter what we're giving them, it's up to them if they're going to sign it. And I'm right. sure you've had some that were that went unsigned. Yes, and I that's one of those ones where it's always in discretion of judge until it ain't. Meaning, cool. if DMV says you weren't eligible and you should not have signed this privilege, they write a letter back to the judge. I, I think the attorney general's office, because that's who represents DMV, actually sends a letter back. Not positive about that. But they can say, not eligible. We're not recognizing a privilege. And uh, here here you go. Here's the original Yeah, that letter. brings us to number seven, that right. the DMV can reject anything. That the, If the judge passed it through his hands, the DMV can still reject it. And not, that that makes people crazy. What what are you saying? The DMV has authority over the judges? I said, no, I'm saying they're two different entities. Right, right. So the, the prime example of this is, let's say you got a limited driving privilege and then there was some other basis for revocation or suspension. This is why Something we pull records. Something pending somewhere. Right, this is why we do affidavits. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, I got, I got the driver's license. I'll give you another example. Um, I had a duplicate plastic license in my driver's license. And I, I got a license I can drive. I'm like, mm -hmm. that license ain't worth the plastic. It's printed on. What nope. matters is what's on a database up there in Raleigh. Yep. Um, and so you may have a plastic license in your possession. It doesn't mean it's valid. In fact, if you are subject to a civil revocation for being charged and you don't turn in your license properly, we had this happen in Irondale one time where we, the client actually went to DMV told them I had an address change. By the way, just don't go in there and get a duplicate. Boy, that's, boy, we need to talk about that. That's another one. Don't go online and think you can fool DMV when you get a silver mm -hmm. application, get a duplicate, because bad things happen. But um, uh, they did not turn in their plastic license in time. They never got the letter, and they got an additional, I think it was 45 days per the statute, and we are like, oh. So um, the you're not going to trick them. Um, these things are are on computers, and um, I think it helps to have a lawyer answer some questions. Okay, so, um, you know, in closing, can I handle DWI charges by myself? Yes. Um, I, I've been doing this a lot of years. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I mean, you're you're in the business, yeah, unless no. you're not an attorney, but and you've worked for other lawyers. So. Yeah, I wouldn't handle, I, I wouldn't handle speeding ticket by myself, but uh, no, I, I, it's just not recommended. Right. And I, I know why you're saying it with speeding tickets, because the other part of your job on a daily basis is trying to fix or correct that, that, that when things are not handled correctly in the first place, mm -hmm. like someone goes in and just, well, I didn't know it was a big deal. I pleaded, uh, mm -hmm. I pleaded it to 105 and a 55 in, in the, York County. And the officer over there in Tennessee told me I'm just paying. Well, no big deal. Right. Except 
He doesn't know North Carolina law. Right. It is a deal. Yep. Okay. Um, and so without an understanding of the law, um, it, you could make things worse. There are some types of cases in North Carolina that you may qualify for an appointment of counsel, a public defender, for lack of a better term. Um, you have to fill out an affidavit of indigency. You have to otherwise qualify. There's supposed to be a consideration of whether you could actually get jail time based on your prior record. So sometimes people assume everyone gets a free lawyer or and they're, they're not. Well, that's a good point. They say that there's not they're not really a free lawyer unless you win your case. You, you can be assigned a, a fee to reimburse the state for legal fees. But we give a free consultation. Most DWI lawyers in Charlotte will give a free consult where we explain some big picture uh, items. We explain how the process works. In my mind, it's different than legal advice because legal advice, things you can rely upon in the law, nece- necessitate a, a deeper dive, getting do- documentation. But we don't mind calling up and if you call us up and ask some, some questions. Um, and a limited approach can help reduce some of the consequences if you are convicted. Now, this is different. Remember, We've been talking, you and I have been talking a lot about a pre-trial limited driving privilege, but there's something called a post-conviction limited driving privilege. And boy, it gets real complicated when you start talking about willful refusal limited driving privileges and ignition interlock and things like that. So if you have questions, we think it's a good idea to talk to an attorney. Um, Melissa, what, 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 again, kind of closing thoughts, what, what, I mean, you've been, how many years you work for us now? Uh, 15? Off and on for 15, yeah. Wow. wow. And then you worked, had some kids and, um. Went and worked for a property law firm yeah, and things some, like some that. Some real estate firms, a couple of those. And it's so much better here. So it is. Um, but what have you learned in there in that time? I mean, in, in dealing with people. I mean, um, um, that when they call here, they're scared and mm-hmm. they are thinking this is definitely the the end of their life. And um, at the end of the day, this is probably the worst spot they've been in in a long, long time. And and um, to me, my job, your job, Chris, our job is to get them to the other side of that, whatever that looks like. If that's, um, if they need help, then we're, we're always the first ones to push them in that direction. If this is just a fluke and, and something happened, we're, we're going to help you pick up those pieces too, but you got to trust us and, uh, you got to know we do it every day. Every right. day. We do. And, and we, we do it with kind, so at least try to, mm-hmm. uh, we're always going to be honest with you about what, which way we things are going to, we think are going to go. We don't promise results. We don't guarantee results. I tell people all the time, if you say that, I'm, I'm going to say that's just not accurate. You yeah. misunderstood. Um, we are weather people. We predict the weather based on the indicators. We don't make the weather. We're not the deciders. We don't wear the black robe and we're not the prosecutors who get to decide whether to go forward with things or not. But we do talk with them and we do try to personalize the client. The longer I've been doing this, I think the more I realize the importance of treating people um, with courtesy and respect, not, not that we didn't do before, but just treating them, understanding that it's a scary type of system yep. and and what do you want to call it, hand-holding or that level of attention, personalizing, that's half the battle. And that's something yep. that I, I want to compliment you. We didn't, we didn't plan on talking about this, but that's something you're really, really good with clients. We regularly, uh, y'all... People will email me and say, you know, Melissa was really, really good, really patient with me, or I know it was a bit of a, a bug around this day, and she was she was patient. We get it. We don't always Thank see you. people at their best day. No. So if you have questions about your limited driving privilege, if you want to know, am I well, eligible for a hardship license or a paper license or whatever you want to call it, or if you've got arrested or cited for DUI or DWI or drunk driving in North Carolina, please give us a call. Telephone number is 704 704- 342-HELP, that's 704-342-4357. 
uh, you can email us at info at carolinaattorneys.com. That's info at carolinaattorneys.com. And our webpage um, for these type of offenses, well, there's a lot of different information. There's the, the DWI Quick Reference Guide. There's a guidebook to navigating the legal system in, in different jurisdictions. We have one that's about to go online for each one in a jurisdiction we mentioned, sample DL 123, videos about how these things work. Go to carolinaattorneys.com and then uh, we'll give us a call. We're more willing to help. So thank you, Melissa. It's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. I got bad news for you. We're going to have more things to talk about. That's what a good podcast does is we, I've already written down some notes of the next five or six different things. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you all for listening to Law Talk. You've been listening to Law Talk with Bill Powers, your resource for legal issues and legislation, practice tips, professionalism, and policy discussions. Want to talk to Bill Powers? Call 704-342-HELP. That's 704-342-4357. Law Talk with Bill Powers is an educational resource only. The information presented does not constitute legal advice and is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney. Every situation is unique. Therefore, you should always consult with a licensed attorney before making any legal decision.